0: Love Talk Radio So where do we go from here? You go all the way to the
1: top if
0: you're not afraid Everything's gonna be alright I'm gonna be everything to you I'm gonna be your father, I'm gonna be your friend I'm gonna be your lover
2: But you gotta believe in me yeah got to believe that everything I tell you to do is for the best, The original capital was provided by the labor of slaves. It's a mistake. It's a mistake to assume that we can combat racism by leaving capitalism in place. It's a mistake. November 3rd, I'm going to go vote for a white man. Yeah, racism is intricately linked to capitalism. Uh, capitalism uh, is racial capitalism. Uh, In November 27th, I'm going to go give all my money to another white man. Your economic reality. dictates your political one. It's a mistake we want to become politically strong without being economically strong and the reason why we don't want to become economically strong because the average negro in america does not want to discipline their spending habits lack of discipline in black america is one of our greatest crises but nobody wants to address that this is why i believe we must divorce ourselves from that system totally. We say we're not going to fight capitalism with black capitalism, but we're going to fight it we're not going to fight capitalism with black capitalism. We're not- Every successful revolution in history began with education and economics. You need education to change the intellectual paradigm. You need education to make sure you can forge a collective consciousness amongst the next generation. Education is critical. Education is necessary to bring about the psychological, the psychological revolution that must precede all other revolutions. We want to change black America without changing the mindset of black America. There will there must be no change economic of black America without a change in the mindset economic before we change the way that we are.
0: I don't know what race is.
2: The psychological revolution, education, and economics is the all beginning of the revolution. The revolution, there must precede all other revolutions. I keep them broke. Wake up one morning with some money to, it to go crazy, you know. I keep them looking good, pretty, and all that. know, but no dough. We're not going to fight capitalism, with black capitalism, but we're going to fight with socialism. Economics also speaks to the loyalty of the community, because when your people can come to you for a job, when your people can come to you when they are homeless, when your people can come to you when they are hungry. Yeah, racism is integrally linked to capitalism. Capitalism is racial. We must divorce ourselves from that system totally and create our own.
3: Our power to the people, our power to the people This is the People's Black Panther Party for Self-Determination Our National Chairman is Brother Yanga Nkrumah National Director of Operations, Sister Seven Khadija I'm the National Chief of Staff, Brother Robert War. And today, like always, on every fourth Sunday You're going to get the Panther 48 Brother Yi and Brother Syke and myself Dropping the bomb, trying to educate the community And building with our people For those people that are listening in on uh, the Internet, if you want to join in on the conversation, you can call us direct at 323-870-4191 and press 1 to be placed into the queue and add to today's conversation. Uh, So today, what we want to go ahead and dive into is the question, is capitalism the enemy? Now, within that title, we had the word cream. Which is uh, what? What is it? Cash rules what is everything. Cash. Cash, cash rules, rules everything, everything around, me. around me. There we go. Cash rules everything around me. So it lets you know how where I am with some of these Jay Z and, and and Dre and Fifty Cent songs. So in reference to that, now that's Wu Tang. Wu Tang. Ooh, I'm. Ooh, excuse yeah, me.
4: Yeah.
3: Wu Tang is the leader. I, I, I don't want to talk bad around about them. But that concept, cash rules everything around me. Just sounds like it. Would, I would not have thought that would have been a Wu Tang. But I need to hear the song, so I'm gonna go back and do my work. I apologize, RZA.
4: <laughs> I will go back
3: and do my homework.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay. I want
3: uh, <laughs> <laughs> <Next>. to <laughs> Let's first go into this before I pass the mic over uh, and establish the battlefield arena, so that this topic does not take an ambiguous form. The position awareness framework is referenced in, uh, around either black people here in the United States, African people across the globe, people of color, as it applies to building collective wealth. I want to say that because to me, when I hear the title, cash rules, everything around me, I think of an individual. So I do want to make sure that the listening audiences know that when we, what we're talking about is we want to move into the concept of. Collective building and growth As it applies to black people uh, With that being said Let me go ahead and uh, pass the mic over to Brother Sy And let him uh, get us to dive right into this Alright, peace, peace Now, <clears throat> now I'm going I'm to I'm build off what you just said I'm going to build off that And I know that building off that Is going to get a few fires started now, We're talking about collective wealth but we do have to start with the individual because, I mean, it's an old Confucius quote where, where he said, Confucius said that uh, I wanted to change the world. So to change the world, I had to, I had to change my uh, nation. And I wanted to change my nation. But to change my nation, I had to uplift my community. I wanted to uplift my community. But to uplift my community, I had to advance my family. I wanted to advance my family. But to advance my family, I had to evolve myself. I wanted to evolve myself. But to evolve myself, I had to educate my mind. And by educating my mind, I was able to evolve myself. By evolving myself, I was able to uplift my family. By uplifting my family, I was able to change my community. By changing my community, I was able to change my nation. And by changing my nation, I was able to save the world. And see, this is how we got to look at these types of things. Because intellectually, we cannot jump from A to Z. We have to go in and uh we gotta move in a certain direction. We gotta go A, B, C. We gotta learn and understand how to make the proper moves that we need to make. You know, we use the, the title C R E A M as Rule's Everything Around Me for a reason. One, it's a popular, it was a, it's a very popular song oh, evidently not to a brother that's a producer <laughs> who has been making music <laughs> for over thirty years.
2: You know, um, <laughs>
3: um, evidently not I'm, to him. You know, I'm not, I'm not for some weird, I'm not strange reason. You know what I'm saying? I'm and this is one of the things <laughs> that I find that I have a problem with revolutionaries, community activists, and I think we've been had. I really do. Because if you think about it, and it, it, it ain't, it, we use cash. You know, Route said cash rules everything around. You. They said that. But in reality, what they were talking about was the control of resources. And no the control of resources do rule everything around you. Ready? You realize it or no not whether you accept it. whether You want to fight against that idea. At any time you have no control of any of the resources, you'll find yourself a pauper. So in order to be, in order to get any kind of leverage in any society, and any time, in any history, you had to be able to uh, uh, to add. Economic value to your society, and you had to have some type of control of the resources. When you allow another group of people to take full control of the resources, because you got this false idea that having control of the resources is evil, then you allow yourself to be a slave. And that's and that's the uh, the point that I want to that's the point that I want to jump this off on. And um, and I'm not trying to get too long-winded just yet, but I want to I want to make this quick point before I pass the mic to anybody else that wants to speak on this. People like Elijah Muhammad and Marcus Garvey understood this. Marcus Garvey, his message to the people got a chapter on economics, and he talks about this. He talks about uh, paying yourself first, ideals that, that, that dudes like Dave Ramsey and uh, uh, Robert Kiyosaki uh, uh, have made millions off of. Marcus Garvey talks about this in his message to the people paying yourself first, always saving a portion of what you have so that if an opportunity comes up, you'll have the, 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 uh, the means and the resources to invest in that opportunity to make your money double or triple itself. He talks about these concepts. He says it's "A fool that spends more than he makes, always live below your means. This is the same concepts that, that, that the, the financial gurus of today are preaching and teaching and making millions and millions of dollars off of elijah muhammad understood the concept of controlling resources nation of islam had their own restaurants had their own land had all that they understood it. you know and, and somewhere somehow we don't bother to the idea that to have money is a bad thing to control resources is evil and if we're true revolutionary trying to uplift the people then we're wrong we can't do that but then we're a lot of people that we're trying to uplift the people from to have full control of our resources to me that's insane and we'll and we'll be chasing our tails forever until we get ourselves out of that false idea. And that's all I have to say for right now. I'm gonna pass the bike. I'm gonna let Brother E in. I know Brother E ready to go. I know he ready to go in. I know I don't let him on fire.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, um and that's peace. <laughs> actually, I wanna actually talk about the 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 the, the question, the question that's posed. I mean, I don't really necessarily per se have a a uh, 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 problem with uh, what it is, you know, the concept and the idea that you put out there, you know, the, the things that you said, maybe point by point, dig down and show them. I'm sure we'll find somewhere where we diverge. We always do. But um, the question that's posed, Capitalism, the enemy. And personally, I would have to say, and a just real matter of factly, point blank, to the point, uh, uh, answer is yes, it absolutely is the enemy. Um, and I think part of this came out of this, uh, you know, uh, this uh, this decision to have this conversation came from that uh Almighty Black Dollar song. The what's the guy's name?
3: Young Jeeves and Rick Ross.
0: Okay, I'll take that. Um <laughs> the the you know the 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 premise of black capitalism and and all of that. It's interesting to me that you know in in the song they they and this is capitalism. This is how it works. They are Saying these negative things about these uh big money uh companies. I don't remember the names. I didn't act I listened to a little bit of the song as much as I could deal with, but to but I went and pulled up the lyrics so I could actually pay attention to what was being said. And with them dogging out different high dollar uh, uh companies and you know, brands, I forget the names of the brands that they, they dog out and whatnot on there. It's funny to me. That they have a song where they're supposedly trashing the idea of the big money European slave owner type companies dogging them out, but this song was released by Death Jam, which is owned by I think Universal Music, which is owned by Vivendi. So it it's, it's this. It's capitalism at work. You put out what you feel like the people are wanting to hear in order to make a dollar. You know, if they really, if they were really pursuing that in this idea of black capitalism, they do what Prince did. You know, Prince actually dogged out his, his, his uh, distributor or whatever it's called. I'm not in the music stuff, so uh, let me get some of those terms wrong and whatnot. But went so far as writing, you know, back when he wrote Slave on his face and changed his name to the little symbol and all of that, and people thought he was just throwed off and crazy, he was going to war, actual war, with the company to get the rights to his music before anybody else even thought about doing such a thing. You know, he, because he felt like they were trying to own his voice and his expression, but they, and, and part of that was demanding that he give uh, uh, interviews, he would give the interviews, but to keep them from being able to control his voice, he wouldn't talk during the interview. He would have one of his, his people from the band or his clique or whatever sitting there. When somebody asked him a question, he would whisper the answer to them and let them answer the question. He went and started giving out free CDs. He was the first artist to, to, to offer his music online and started giving away music online, the way we download music left and right from Apple and Torrance and all the rest of that. He did that as an act of war, going to war with this company who would not let him out of his contract. Now, here we are all of these years later with all of this money in the black community, do you know what the, 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 the spending power of the black community last year was? Like three trillion dollars. That's a lot of money. So this idea of black nationalism and and and, and black excuse me black capitalism as if funny how we say that voting is nonsense for, from a revolutionary perspective because it's participation in the system. But at the same time, we turn around and don't hold that same measuring tool when it comes to controlling those resources. I had a, a finance teacher in high school named Ms. Hadley, and she said something that even just now is really dawn on, on, dawning on me at exactly how profound it is. She said that every company in every business in this country is in business for one reason, and that's to make money. Period. Even nonprofit organizations are in the business of making money. Adam Smith said that capitalism ultimately, in its essence, is is a means by reaching a, a means to reach rationally one's own self-interest. Capitalism is based on private ownership and exploitation, two ideas that are counter to the African mindset. They're completely opposite. They're antithetical to who it is we are, the idea of private ownership. Most indigenous cultures don't have even terms for owning the land. The idea of land don't belong to us, we belong to the land. The idea of exploiting others, and again, those are key concepts of capitalism, period. Angela Davis said the first capital was us. We were the initial investment. And it's moved on from there. My man, what's his name? Uh, 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 you know, what's his name? Um, the uh, I uh, can't believe I can't remember the brother's name. Um, I am a revolutionary. Fred Hampton said that we, you can't fight fire with fire. That we're not going to fight uh, 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 capitalism with capitalism, but with socialism. So the idea of controlling the resources in our community is. Absolutely. It has to be done. You know, uh, 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 Kwanzaa, and all of that, talked about that. But the way in which we go about it has to speak to who it is we are, because we can't liberate ourselves using somebody else's tools, using somebody else's methods. We keep playing their game. We're never, ever going to win it. So that mindset has to be shifted. We have more than enough money. When you talk about Ice Cube and the uh, interview of his that he read, or that you read uh, when he was asked about uh, black people, black folks, you remember that site, Rose and Hollywood and and all of that? It's nonsense to me. It's nonsense. There's no reason that right now today in the music business that we should not control everything from the artist's entry to the the, the cat on the street buying the the music. We can control the distribution, the creation, the, the, the You know, if people buy CDs, the making of the CDs, the uh, dis, uh, distributing it to, 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 to black-owned, independent uh, radio stations, ain't no way between cats like LeBron and Dre and, and 50 and all of these other cats with all of this capital, there's no way that we should not already have it. We've been participants in capitalism since we got here. And we're still at the same level of capitalism because the whole intent of capitalism is to keep somebody on top and somebody on bottom. It's not about community control. It's not about uh, addressing the needs of the community. It is about the upliftment of the singular, of the one. And I'm not saying, and let me set this aside right now for the rest of the conversation because I know somebody's going to try to weave it into that. I'm not saying don't have a decent job. I'm not saying don't have money to feed the family. I'm not saying go hungry, stay broke. You can't be a revolutionary and be and have your bills paid at the same time. I'm not saying that. So if anybody wants to chime in and say, Oh, well, you can't get what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. So please set that over there. Let's not have that conversation and make it nasty. What I am saying is that to pursue our liberation Beyond bringing money home from your job or your own uh, company that you own or whatnot, when that, company, when that money comes to you, from that point on, we cannot exercise it in a capitalist, from a capitalist mind frame in order to live. It has to change right there. Capitalist endeavor you make with that money has the sole purpose of uplifting the individual and making profit. It is profit-driven. We are need-driven in our situation. So once you bring it in, whatever you bring it into cannot be a capitalist. It can't be just another black business. It can't be. It's not going to work. And there's no evidence in history that shows that it can work.
3: Let me add a new <laughs> dynamic to this. Let me, let, me add <laughs> let me add a new dynamic that I don't think uh, 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 comes into perspective a lot of times when we think about the current state of capitalism. And what that has to do is the rate of the actual population on the planet. And see how we talk about this within our Panther training, when we go into the idea in addressing the fact that there is an earth carrying capacity, that capacity has to do with the fact that the way human beings utilize resources on the planet, Look at that in the, in, in, in the mind frame in the mind state of capitalism. With capitalism as it is practiced, being about maximizing the, uh, I would say, the effects or maximizing the product or the, the profit from a specific product, what that does is typically creates a situation to where businesses, governments, society is always looking to create what? A projection, for next year's budget or next year's profit that supersedes the year before. Otherwise, if your projection and your profit margin is not increasing within each year, that company is considered a failure. So if I made a billion dollars in my company last year, I need to be trying to make a billion and a half this year. Now, couple that with the fact that the rate of the population every year is increasing. And businesses every year are increasing because the more people you have, no matter how what percentage of the people you have, you're going to have people that want to be entrepreneurs, establish businesses, so on and so forth. The more businesses you have, the more we engage and indulge in the race to con- constantly incline on profit, now you start messing with the gross national product, and you also start messing with the fact that, as people consume because you can't make a profit unless there's a consumption. So in order to gear a society towards being able to buy the next and greatest and the 2.0 of whatever your product is so that your corporation and your company can make more money and more profit than it did last year, there's two, there are several things that go into play. Number one, I'm going to hold back on what I could produce based upon the fact that the idea here is to sell you something now and to turn around and make it better the next year and, and to entice you to want to purchase the next best thing. So I'm not actually in, in, intendingly on providing you a product that is meant to last you any significant amount of time. I want you to upgrade your product, period. What are we talking about, hardware, tangible products, firmware, whatever? I want you to upgrade. Not only do I want you to upgrade – but as you upgrade, what happens to that previous, uh, that, that previous one? Typically, it either ends up in landfills, it ends up in third world countries to some degree, or it ends up being refurbished, thrown in the market. But what we're doing is we're taking that against the fact that population isn't growing. Populations are growing. You want, in order to make a larger profit, I have to have a larger consumption base than I did the year before. So now my, my game plan is to find a – make that consumer that purchased from me last year want to go out and tell a friend and purchase and, and, and double-fold that and triple-fold that every year. How do I do that if I do not create an individual mentality? Because from a collective perspective, you don't, you don't drive a society to be consumers unless you are able to make them individuals and make them thrive to be individuals. Because if I'm overseeing something from a larger perspective, then I see into the game. I see and I pierce into the name of the game. And I see what's being played against me. And then I will also demand better product market um, evaluation, better placement, better value, so on and so forth. These are the kind of things that go into that. and As well as I start looking at the environment, I start looking at the role this plays and whether or not we can address that from that perspective. And then I may even start talking about downsizing because now what I want to do is address the rate at which we're destroying the planet based upon our levels of consumption. Capitalism cannot exist in an environment to where we are holding ourselves completely accountable for the effects that we have on that society. Because if my end game is to, not have an end game, and to constantly have a greater level of output than I did the year before, the only way I can have a greater level of output is to have a greater level of consumption. I need more people to purchase this product. So what I actually end up doing, and so you can jump in on this, is I have to make that that crack a little bit less pure this time than it was the year before. I got to constantly nip at it and take and take the purities out of it and be able to, spread that, that margin out of it more and more and more and only caught on site from the standpoint of having a background of, 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 of knowing how people operate in the street. Not saying he was ever a crack dealer. I'm saying knowing how people operate on the street. From a street perspective, the whole point is, is I'm going to cut that rock that much more finer every time. Do the same thing with, with most products in, 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 in that, that are out there. In order to create a higher profit, there's several things I either got to do. Either I got to create a larger consumer base or I got to cut back on the, the way the product that I'm delivering is manufactured. Or maybe I may, whereas a box of cereal may have been, may have been 25 ounces a year before, now I'm going to make it 20 ounces. I may make the paper the same, but the volume less. The point is, is the people, some kind of way, are going to get are going to pad that 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 profit that I have to make in order to in order to make my projections are going to get passed on to the consumer. And I got to keep that consumer consuming. I got to keep them in a mindset of hey, go out and get this. Hey, you should you you are not a person. You are not on top or you're not cool if you ain't doing this. So I start now gearing the entire society in terms of media to the point to where in order to feed my capitalist mentality as a corporation, I got to get the people to now change the, their, their, their their scope of how they view themselves to the point to where they ain't on the end, on the, on the end, on the up and up or on what's happening unless they buy this product, unless they can be seen with this product. So now I create that consumer mentality to where if you ain't rocking a pair of Adidas, you, you, you lame. And so the mentality that goes into what creates that capital from a consumption level is why we find it so hard to also turn around and take that same formula and unweaponize it against the individual and apply it to a group collective level. To give you the same example, like how we talk about 50 cents. The brother turned around and wrote a book with an author named Robert Green, The Fifth Law, and talked about how people can empower themselves. He worked on trying to expose the concept of 48 Laws of Power to the average person so that they could be aware of the game. You've had people do that. You've had rappers that do that. You have rappers that are on the same note like somebody like Immortal Technique who will constantly talk about how I refuse to sell out my art and go corporate. On my style. I'm gonna stay independent. But from that same standpoint, what we're talking about is we're talking about a a perspective, a system that is geared toward always advancing my projections. My projections are what keep me in a position of being able to be called capital or capitalizing. That means I maximize. In order to maximize, I have to play off of the consumer as a person or as an individual or as a society. So it's basically saying I have to create a product and then in turn create a customer base that will go to my product. So you find out, you find ways to cross-feed the mentality to, to not only accept your product, but to demand and depend on your product, to depend on that consumption. So you basically create a society that knows not how to turn down the next latest and greatest and to not know how to not consume, consume, consume. And when you're caught up in a cycle of consumption, <clears throat> it is super hard to step away from that and see, hey, there could be a benefit to this consumption, from the standpoint of me learning how to flip this, and do what? Get somebody else to do it. See, for every person, no matter what side of the fence you're coming from, when you think about it from a capital perspective, if I talk about empowering the next person to be able to do something that I learned how to do, I'm feeding the game to them. Just like some rappers say, the game ain't to be sold. It's to be, the game ain't to be told, it's to be sold. Why do they say that? Because if everybody start doing it, it no longer becomes a valuable asset in the capitalist market. So the game has to change along with the players, and you have to constantly stay ahead of that curve because there is not enough people by the mathematical concept and construct of capitalism to be able to feed a society to where everybody can participate at the highest level of capitalism and and also make it. It, it's not. The, the, the concept of capitalism, the concept of being able to constantly increase your gross national product, the concept of constantly being able to increase your profit margin is not a model that can work across the board in terms of empowering a society because the only way that can constantly get there is that my, my consumer base increase. If my consumer base increase, my capital base can't can't also compete against the same thing. That's basically like me as a wolf being, at the, being over a terrain and having a herd of sheep that I'm eating from. And then I'm going to come over and invite another wolf to come over and start eating from my stock. But I'm not doing anything from a reproductive standpoint to increase that herd of sheep. Well, now I'm, I'm splitting my profit with somebody else that I'm telling the game. So the only way I'm going to do that is if either I'm stepping away from the game or I'm a fool or I'm selling the game to somebody. So I'm going to find another way to flip the game and make money off the fact that I'm selling this game. And I'm selling it knowing that the game that I'm selling is by the time a lot of people make – I make enough money off the game, the game ain't, ain't, ain't about anything no more. So the first few people that get into the game may – Make profit, may make a a good way off of it But as the game gets exposed The game no longer is any good So now I got to run and and, and sell another game That's the whole pyramid scheme So see, by the default nature of the concept of capitalism How can that be offset with the fact that you have an increasing population Which is an increasing population of consumption so now that I've stayed there, I'ma psych. I'ma let psych take over. Damn. I wanna, I wanna add to that. I wanna add to that. What he, what he just do the whole show? Is it over
4: with?
3: <laughs> 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 I'm gonna add to that though. But first, I'm gonna <laughs> ask some of E's questions. E asked a few questions and said a few things that I think need to be touched on first. When well, you know when he talked about the rappers, you was 100% right about about uh, the stance that Prince took. One hundred percent correct and that stance taught rappers something. See, rappers now they understand the importance of owning their masters. They understand it. They didn't understand that at first. They was allowing themselves to be tricked and fooled and they didn't have control of their masters. And you see and you still got a few fools still running around here selling their masters for crumbs. But like when we talked about the song Almighty Black Dollar by young Jeezy, Jeezy owns all of his masters. So this is this is a lesson that these a lot of these dudes learned from print about getting control of their masters. Prince had to go through a, a long struggle and a fight, and it, and it usually works like that in society. When we see somebody else doing something, we're like, why is he doing that? Oh, that's important. And so these dudes come behind him, and they don't have to go through that fight because they never signed their masters over. They understand the concept and principle of owning their masters, which would give them residual income for the rest of their life. Another thing, when you talk about uh, uh, all these millionaires and things that, black, that, that that come out amongst black people. Why aren't we controlling every aspect of the music business? Well, Jay Prince, the uh, the founder of Rapalot Records, he was just on uh, on drink Champs with Nori, and uh, Nori. One of the questions Nori asked him, he said, "I thought you was at one time was working on a distribution company." And uh, Jay Prince told me, "He said, yeah, me, sugar. He called him Big Sugar, bro.'" He said, "Me, Big Sugar, bro, from Death Row, and uh, and Earl Gotti from Murder Inc. You know, we was meeting and we was coming together, and we wanted to create and develop an all-black distribution company to start distributing our people." He said, "Right at that time, he said that there is no uh, that he said I don't see it as a coincidence that the feds came and raided Murder Inc. and, and basically yep. destroyed everything that they was building." The feds came and raided Shug, and you see what happened to Shug and Death Row. And he said they came at me, and you know he said he was dealing with an investigation for four years, but he he said that he was the last man standing. He said that there is no there is no uh, to him there is no coincidence that that happened when they were trying to make these moves. So so that is one of the reasons why we have removed to that step because dudes have seen it, have had the vision of it now. I wanted to add to what uh, War said. What War said, and uh, one of the things that I think the mistake that we're making in this conversation is we're saying capitalism is the enemy. Capitalism is the enemy, and we're missing something. We're missing. We're missing a very important component here. You know, it's like a, <clears throat> It's like a, 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 True indeed. Uh, slavery was the greatest form of capitalism that Europeans have ever practiced on the planet. There is no doubt about that. No one can argue that. But the thing that we are missing is Europeans did not invent capitalism. There is not too much on the planet that Europeans actually mm-hmm. invented. Europeans stole and, and, and mutated and manipulated concepts and principles and claimed that it it's theirs. But when they touched it and they put their hands on it and then they redistributed these concepts, these philosophies, these ideologies back to the world, they distributed these ideologies back to the world with their own twisted thought processes attached to it. And I, we did previous uh, podcasts and previous YouTube videos where I explained and broke down what uh, uh, natural events created the European mindset. So I'm not going to go into that now. If anybody wants to understand it, they can go look at some of the previous podcasts, listen to some of the previous podcasts. But when that mind state gets a hold of something, whether that thing is good or is bad or indifferent, that mind state would turn it into a negative thing. See, Europeans got introduced what we're calling capitalism now, when the Moors conquered Southern Europe, and and the Moors had control of Southern Europe, Spain, Italy, and parts of France for 200 years, they took what they called Moorish mercantilism into Europe. And that Moorish mercantilism was essentially what we're calling capitalism today. The only difference was that they had had, uh, moral and ethical rules attached to it. And when Europeans took it and reinterpreted it, they put profits over people. And that's what we get today's capitalism, like Europeans have always done throughout the the entire time the Europeans have been on the planet. They reinterpreted it and manipulated it and mutated it into something that can be used naked. It's the answer to socialism, not the way Europeans practice it, because they took that and they manipulated that too. You cannot find anywhere where Europeans that practice socialism and find the people living righteously. You won't find it because Europeans can't do that. They don't have the ability to do that because of the background and the things that they came out of. They don't have the ability to do that. See, uh, uh, the Moors took the whole concepts of banking. The Moors took the whole ideas of writing checks up in Europe. They was writing checks. You could find the earliest banking systems yeah. in, uh, in ancient Komet and in the Middle East. This ain't nothing Europeans made up. They didn't create this. The Moors was what? actually create was actually writing checks and they learned this in Southern Europe from the Moors. One of the things, one of the things, one of the oldest uh, uh, European historians said that the Knights Templar used to use checks to take care of things and take care of debt. The Knights Templar, if, if we if we do enough study in history, we understand that the Knight Templar learned most of their crowds from the Moors that conquered Southern Europe. The nice Templar and many of those quote unquote secret societies was, was murdered and put to worship through the devil, so to speak. But the devil that they was worshiping wasn't some devil underground. The church was calling the devil the Moors who had the black, those black skinned people who had went up there and took civilization back to them. The Europeans, when we when we study history, you'll see that the Europeans went into a dark age. And if you ever question yourself and use any kind of rationality, and, I'm a, and I know I'm getting long-winded like Brother War, so I'm going to get ready to pass the mic. But <laughs> um, if, you use any kind of ra- if you use any kind of rationality, you'll ask yourself. First of all, they tell us that the great philosophers and mathematicians came out of Greece and, and uh, Rome, and we know better than that. But they tell us this, and they had all this great civilization in Greece and Rome. Then they went into the Dark Ages, and it was in these dark ages, then they had the renaissance where this great period of enlightenment had occurred. How did that happen? That's what you got to ask yourself. You use any kind of rational thinking. you got to ask yourself, how the hell did that happen? What happened was in Greece and Rome, you, uh, 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 African people took them civilization. They took them education, philosophy, mathematics. The thing was, just like Ward just talked about, they kept the education to a select few. Those who was in power but who had control of the government, the average person, the average citizen was denied education. the average citizen in Greece and in Rome couldn't even read, couldn't do math. they couldn't do it, not the average person. So when you when when a, that select group that had that education that they got from from commit, when that select few died out from pauing that education and that knowledge, nobody had it so they fell into the dark ages and then for a second time, African people took civilization back into Europe. When the Moors went into Europe through the uh, southern Europe and conquered Europe during that time, that 200 years, the Moors created uh, sewer systems, toilets, bathhouses, taught these people how to bury their dead, and took what would become known as capitalism up there too. They took them full civilization because they had none of it. When the Moors went up there, they instead of burying their dead when bodies died, they 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 stacked them on top of each other in the middle of the streets. And, this, and these dead bodies uh, uh, Riding in the streets Created disease all throughout the land The Moors went through there And burned everything that they saw and, and started rebuilding those cities That's why they got If you look at the old mythologies Of the dragon That came the fire-breathing dragon That went through Europe That fire-breathing dragon Was the armies of the Moors Because they had a symbol of a dragon On their shields Because they called their kings the dragon and, 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 uh, In uh, North Africa The symbol of a saint and you can even see it in Khmette, the serpent being on the uh, on the Pharaoh's uh, crown, the symbol of the snake was a symbol of wisdom. The dragon is the evolved snake. So so these these are where these concepts and these ideas came from. Europeans Europeans didn't create capitalism. Europeans just manipulated it and mutated it and, and put profits over people because of the environment that they came out of. They believe so much in scarcity, they believe I gotta get as much as I can before it's no more of it. I got to get it, I got to get it, I got to get it. And this is what made ca- capitalism destructive. One thing about it, regardless of what happened in, or what happened historically, if you're on a monopoly chess board, I mean a not- monopoly board, you better learn the game and the rules of monopoly so that you can learn how to bend the elasticity of the game to your will. Because if, you if you're on the monopoly board trying to play chess, you're in trouble. If you're on the monopoly board trying to play chess, you're in the world of trouble. You're going to keep losing for another
0: 400 years. Well, I, yeah, I got something to add see. to that. Go ahead, e. go ahead. E. Oh, yeah.
4: I know y'all do. I know y'all coming. Come on. Coming. <laughs> e.
3: You go ahead. E. I got two swords. <laughs> <laughs> <That's okay.
4: laughs> go, go ahead,
3: double edge.
0: So essentially, and I want you to check me on this to sum up kind of what you said there initially. Capitalism is mercantil- mercantilism or Blackmore mercantilism minus the ethics. Is that accurate? Yes. Okay.
3: European I mean, interpretation of it, yes.
0: Okay, then we would have to say that, yes, Europeans did create that, because any type of business interaction that we have, and this is continent-wide, everything that Africans do is based on some type of uh, ma'at, not necessarily called by the, that, that name, but those principles where people are not subjugated for the sake of a uh, profit motive, so that Capitalism that uh, the, the mercantilism that was taken and manipulated and molded and turned into something different is an expression of European, just as the political systems around the globe are expressions of European. So I would have to uh, take uh, take issue with that there and say that what we're dealing with is not mercantilism. So while you know, and i I'd be the last person to tell you to not know the, the history of something and whatnot. The current uh, 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 the, the current system, the global system, uh, capitalism as a global system uh, was set up by Europeans with that profit uh, profit uh, driven motive, and that's what we have to deal with in a day to day scenario. Learning the rules, understanding the rules, absolutely. But understanding more than anything that no matter how many times you go around that monopoly board, you're still trapped on that monopoly board, and you can't break out and do anything else. So, yes, we have to understand the rules, know the rules, work the rules, but understand that it's somebody else's game and that understanding and bending those rules and whatnot to our best advantage is never going to get us liberated that it's going to take an antithesis. It's going to take something completely antithetical and opposite to what it is we're dealing with and something that is born out of us, something that comes from our uh, African-centered perspective. So, you know, the, the idea, in fact, the whole idea, and I hear it, a lot of folks throw this word around, it's become popular again, uh, the, the phrase black capitalism. Yeah, I know where the phrase black capitalism, the concept of black capitalism came from, so Donald Trump, during his, this past whatever number, four years or whatever, had this idea of, of opportunity zones. We're supposed to be, you know, uh, black folks, minorities, whatever you want to call folks, getting access to loans and to, to you know, some cuts and some hands up and whatnot to, 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 to increase the number of small black businesses or opportunities for non-white folks and made more low-paying jobs in the hood for black folks and blah, 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 blah. But this is not the first time that that's happened. The term black capitalism was actually a term that was coined as a response to black power by Richard M. Nixon during the Nixon administration. It was his version of his foreign policy which is essentially, okay, black power is about burning this bitch to the ground. Let's give them something that will take away from that, take some of that intelligentsia, some of that bourgeoisie, some of that oomph out of it, and, and, and give, them, give, give this cadre of people, this clique of people, access to some things, shut them up, and get them to work the masses of the people so that they stop burning our shit down. So the whole idea of black capitalism was a way to undermine black power from its beginning and, and, and the ideas from it, he, he, Nixon, you know, rolled it out when, while he was president, but was formulating this plan when he was vice president under, under, uh, uh what you call it, um, Eisenhower. So the, the idea and the concept doesn't even come from us, black capitalism. So again, understanding that the rules of this game, again, I'm not saying don't understand the rules. I'm not saying don't feed the family. I'm saying is that understanding the rule is a step, but understanding even more so that it is a step, and that exercising these steps, investing in these steps, is not going to move us toward liberation. It's going to give us a way now, to educate. Go ahead. Go ahead.
3: Come on. Now, yeah. Now you said, yeah. Now I want I want to make this clear because not, I'm I'm not saying let's practice. Richard Nixon's Black, national, black uh, Capitalism. But to me, it makes more sense to have some stake in the game and have some control in the game, because we're playing the game anyway. We're, we're just playing the game, game. from the perspective of consumers.
4: Every time you go
3: to work, every time you go to work and get a check and pay that mortgage and pay that rent and pay that electric bill, you are participating in the capitalist system. You, you are. Not and, we're not, and we're not going to jump from A to Z overnight. That's not going to happen.
4: So we you have to
3: move in and... and you're not playing the game at all, we're not the only way you can the only way you can in the game is going to live under a bridge
0: no 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 throw <laughs> so, so your phone away we, we are not playing the game we are the game we are being played by the game we are pawns on the chessboard and no And I agree
3: games. and we'll no, no, we'll no, participate we'll participate no doubt i ain't i ain't never had my my uh i've never had my landlord come Beat me up and take my rent from me. We are willingly participating in the game. Absolutely. This is a part of the game. We're participating in the process. What right I'm saying, we'll participating in the lowest part of the process. And then we're supposed to be moving to a high evolved level of economics in order to get freedom. You have to you have to still participate in the game while we're here, just like the Panthers in the sixties understood. When the Panthers in the sixties started the free the free breakfast uh, uh, program, when they started the single-step clinic. They were criticized by other, quote-unquote, pure revolutionaries who would say they're not revolutionary. They're reformists. They just want to reform things in the present system. And if you were saying, that while we are here, we have to take care of our basic needs. We but have those, to do that.
0: But those things that they were doing were anti-capitalist. Every one of those things, feeding your own children by, by pooling your resources and coming together, is anti-capitalist. So they were not participating Even this- directly by, by feeding their own children and having community programs. They were shooting a finger at the system and saying, yes, I'm going to keep my job. That's going to be my participation. But when I leave that job, all of the resources that I've gained from that job, whether they're monetary or anything else, I'm going to pull into a situation, I'm going to pour them into a situation that is absolutely African, though they did not want to embrace the cultural aspect. It was everything they did was absolutely African. And by doing so, they were absolutely being anti-capitalist.
3: Even government, even the United States government, do uh, create programs that, as uh, you call it, anti-capitalist. But it's really not. It's to, like you just said earlier, to keep that system in place. See, one of the things, and and, and I'm gonna go back a little bit because we're just assuming that everybody knows what capitalism, socialism, and communism is. We can make that <laughs> we made that assumption, you know. So let's
4: let's define it a little
3: bit. Now, now the so-called, and I'm going to use their terms, I don't believe this, but I'm going to use their terms because I want to deal with it concretely. The so-called father of capitalism is Adam Smith. And, and, and the blueprint for capitalism is this book that he wrote in 1776, The Wealth of Nations. And the so-called father of communism is called Marx. Now, the idea was this. Adam Smith essentially said that human beings by nature are selfish. He said that the, the baker doesn't bake bread out of a, out of a uh, innate desire to feed the world, you know, the former doesn't raise animals out of out of this benevolent desire to do good for all mankind. He does it for his own needs. It's his own personal uh, uh, desire and ambition that moves him to make these to make these moves, and that ambition creates something that's act, that's actually good for the world. His farming, his bread baking, things like this. So he, he said, uh, based on if you allow man to move based on his nature, and I'm just saying what he said, what he thought, I'm just saying that. So I don't want nobody attacking me saying, you believe this? It's just, it just <laughs> the premise. It's the premise. He said that, that based on that, if you allow man to have the freedom to move based on his own needs, based on his own ambition, then he would do things based on his own desire to take care of himself, which would benefit the overall society. He said he, he had this idea called the Invisible Hand. Now, the Invisible Hand works like this. I'm going to use a, a, a basic uh, breakdown for it real quick. He said this basically. Let's say uh, Brother Wall controls the businesses. Brother E needs to work. Brother Wall wants to pay E the lowest wage possible so he can keep more profits. That, that benefits war and that fits his needs. Brother E wants to get paid the highest wage possible so that he could have more profit from his labor. That's his E's needs. Now, Brother E can refuse to work for too low a wage, and Brother Wall can refuse to pay too high a wage. And in some, some process, y'all will negotiate wage until y'all come to a point of agreement, which Adam Smith called the equilibrium in economics. This is called the equilibrium, and that would set the, the quote unquote minimum wage. Or the wage floor that would set it in the concepts of capitalism. Now the the problem with this idea is that usually those in power, especially uh, uh, the way this was practiced in Euro- in European society, those in power took advantage of the average person's need to work to take care of their family and their basic needs. So they got away with crumbing. They got away with giving them the least amount possible. Now, people call more coming in. And Karl Marx wrote his concepts, and his ideas do, during an extreme uh, depression in Europe. He wrote his ideas during this. He was viewing the society through a depression state, and he said uh, 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 those wealth magnates who controlled all the resources and controlled all the companies and controlled all the businesses, those people by crumbing the people, the people uh, 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 would revolt. They, they find that they would get tired of it, and they would revolt. And when they revolt, they would take the means of production from the wealthy landowners. They would take these means of production. They would uh, 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 destroy per, uh, uh, private wealth, redistribute the wealth, and then people would move from a state of socialism to capitalism and live in this utopia where everybody had it, held everything in common and people just basically traded the, the, the basic things that they need. His quote was, from those who have to those who need. Now, these are the principles of communism and capitalism. These, these are the basic principles of that. And I wanted to make sure that, that, that we understood that before we moved on, because we just made an assumption that everybody would do what uh, uh, capitalism and communism and socialism is a midway point. And, and uh, Karl Moore's theory, he said, he said that they, they, like I've been saying earlier, you won't go to A to Z. He said that there would be a midway point, that the people would take all the resources and then they would establish a central committee. This central committee government would then hold all the resources and start the process of redistributing wealth evenly. This is socialism to the people as they need it. And then once all the wealth had been redistributed and the people was operating on an even, on an even level, then government would be completely eradicated and the people would just simply live free and trade with each other. That's the last step in his vision, which is communism. Now, I don't see that happening with the people unless they're enlightened. I just don't see that. Only a highly enlightened group of people can operate at that level. Because yeah. people, because people, well, let me say this, and I'm going to let you go because I know you want to get in. Because people, Adam Smith was right about something. He was right. And I'm going to give you the science on it. People are selfish. People essentially are. They're not meant to stay that way. But they are. They're born selfish. The human brain evolved in three parts. The three parts of the human brain are called the R-complex, the paleomammalian brain, and the neocortex. And the the R-complex is the first part of the brain that's developed. It's the part of the brain that you'll find in snakes. It's the part of the brain that you'll find in reptiles, lizards, things like this. That's the part of the brain that first develops in the human being, and that's the part of the brain that a baby is operating from when it's first born from the womb. That's the part of the brain that it's operating from. That's why a baby will cry at three or four o'clock in the morning, even though you got to be at work at seven. It doesn't have the ability to care about what you're going through. I need to eat. I need to be held, period. You know what I'm saying? And you're still, and I'm not saying don't, don't, don't misunderstand me and say that I'm promoting this, but you still got full grown men and women still walking around operating off that selfishness. This is what, this is part of our problem in our relationships because men and women are walking around thinking that the other person's duty and job on the planet is to keep you happy because they're still operating from that R-complex. Now in the neocortex, the last part of the brain that developed, and the part where we hold our greatest levels of intelligence, you have the ability to develop empathy. And in that part of the brain, but but, but unlike our physical growth, which just requires us to stay alive long enough to keep growing, the mental growth is a a process that has to be participated in. If you're not learning new lessons, learning new ideas, going through certain struggles and overcoming them, the mental growth will get stagnant. And so what you're dealing with is you're dealing with uh, 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 hoping human beings will operate at a high, enlightened uh, uh, level, and that's just not going to happen. Because if that was happening, then we wouldn't have been spending the last 25 years trying to wake black people up to realize that they need to free themselves and liberate themselves in the community. That, that would have been – Malcolm would have did. Michael would have succeeded. You and then would have succeeded. Morgan God would have succeeded. How long we got to go with it if people really can operate from that level? They can't. Not the average person. Okay, let me jump so, in now. Let me jump in before you. Let, let me, we got uh, give me t- you you turn, to give each other a turn. Uh, yeah, no. No, it's my turn. It's well, my turn. It. my turn. Check <laughs> this out. <laughs> I want to say this. Going into the direction that we're talking about this. To me, when we want to get down to being able to address how capitalism can be used to some degree of benefit and or to be able to form a defense against the brand in which capitalism is being used, you have to go into how capitalism was weaponized. Brother site talked about how it was introduced, knowing that uh, basically letting, letting listeners know that, hey, capitalism in essence was not a European creation. But what Europeans did is they introduced the weaponization of capitalism. See, the whole no, point they of that introduced society. The
0: weaponization of mercantilism, call it what it is. <laughs> That's what he said. That's what he said. The, 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 the weaponization of mercantilism, by what he said, the, the, the weaponization of mercantilism is capitalism. It's what they call capitalism. Got it. Got it.
3: Got it. Call it is just a, it's okay. just a
4: whole other system by another name.
3: But the point we get is, is, is what we're dealing with is yeah. something that was weaponized. Okay? What? That's what I'm saying. Something that was weaponized. Yeah. And being that something was weaponized, if we are not looking at it from the standpoint of being able to defend ourselves, like, like going back to her talking about Panther Party, self-defense, if we're not looking at it from the standpoint of how do we, how we defend ourselves, that means that we haven't studied how it has been created to be a weapon. And if I don't know that something is being used and how it's being used as a weapon against me, then there's no way that I can form a proper defense to deal with it. And if I can't form a proper defense to deal with it, then my participation in it is going to cut me. Going back to what I was trying to interject when when Syke was talking about he got two swords. I I wanted to say in that statement is the best swords are double edged and. Jay-Z said that in one of his lyrics. What he's referring to is the fact that it cuts both ways. It's going to cut you and cut me. And, and recognizing that when you're talking about weaponization, we have to identify with the fact that that is what we're, what, what we're exposed to, if we're exposed to a weapon. Also looking at that, we can go back to the concepts and the idea of an ecosystem, like I was initially talking about when I was talking about the, the population. When you talk about a balanced ecosystem, if a foreign substance, a seed or a type of animal or whatever is introduced into a different environment that is not that does not naturally have a defense system to deal with and keep that Pacific, that other type of uh, life form in a balance, then what happens is that newly in- introduced um, uh, being that has came into a, a, that has crossed seas and came into a whole new type of uh, ecosystem will dominate it. The perfect example of this, a lot of people don't know, is like and i and I you know grew up fishing was like the carp. People don't know that the carp was introduced into this system. The carp is like a fishing is like a a a a, a fish version of a rat. Same with the catfish. And from that standpoint, what happened was this. This uh, being or this concept was introduced into a society that had no natural defenses against it And so therefore it was able to dominate And the same thing is taking place in terms of what we're talking about uh, with capitalism So what we have to do is go back and recognize how it was weaponized So therefore we can know how to even address it from the standpoint of a problem solution and in saying that, I want to refer right back to something Brother Syke talked about with Adam Smith dealing with the inquiry uh, um, of, of nations. Now, remember, in section two of that, the whole the title itself tells you an inquiry into the nature and cause of wealth of nations. To say that you're doing you're dealing with the nature and the causes goes right back into what I'm talking about because you're using the word nature. Basically, what that's doing it is playing and it is addressing things and looking at things from the psychological response in terms of human behavior and human consciousness and how the humans operate. Robert Greene wrote a book called The Laws of Human Nature, and in that book there he also exposes how human beings operate and how they can be manipulated in terms of the psychology of humans. So you can take both of those books and you can see how basically from that standpoint – uh, Capitalism was weaponized To go into a third book Which is one of my favorites That goes into the exposure of that You got to talk about William Cooper Behold the pale horse In that book he had a section Called um, The silent weapon for quiet wars That whole area Is basically talking about The weaponization of economics And I'm just going to read A brief passage from that and, and, and jump away from it He says it shoots situations Instead of bullets Propels data processing Instead of chemical reactions It makes no obvious explosive noises Causes no obvious physical Or mental injuries And does not obviously interfere With anyone's daily social life Yet it, is, it makes an unmistakable noise Causes unmistakable Physical and mental damage the public might instinctively feel that something is wrong, but, but, but because of the technical nature of the silent weapon, they cannot express their feeling in a rational way or handle the problem with intelligence. He lays it out right there telling you, basically there's a process to weaponizing something, and in doing so, he created and he utilized natural law dealing with how electronics operate and how Electricity operates, dealing with the, the uh, inductance and the capacitance, and talked about how weapon, the weaponization of currency and the weaponization of economics creates an op- and off and and distributes through a society based upon inductance and capacitance. He laid it out thoroughly in terms of what type of weapon it is, how it is used on the people, and how the people are not able to naturally form a defense system because they are outside of their ecosystem in terms of the knowledge and understanding, going back to what psych talked about and saying that people are naturally selfish. So when we what we're dealing with is we have to recognize how anything it can be weaponized. Talk about problem-solution. When we talk about uh, 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 exposing people to the fact that, hey, this is what's going on, we have to give them, equip them enough with the information to where they can see how a weapon is being used on them. Once I can at least identify with the fact that it's a weapon and identify with how that weapon is used, then I can start to form, forming a, a defense. And in a defensive mindset, going back to panther ideology again, in a defensive mindset, now I can form an offense. Now I can operate within the guise of capitalism and be able to use it to some degree to be able to, to empower myself. But I can't do that if, even, if I don't know that something is a weapon, yet alone that weapon is striking me left and right, and I don't recognize it. All I know is that some, it hurts. I don't know why. I just know I'm frustrated. It hurts, and it, But again, if I can't identify with it, then basic human nature is gonna make me lash out to the next closest thing to me. And so now we deal with black on black crime. Now we deal with the whole Willie Lynn syndrome. Now we deal with the fact that it, the idea of it being silent and invisible in the first place is the key to its power. And so I want to just bring that up because that <clears throat> is really. What we're, what we're needing to get the people to see is that it is weaponized. So in its essence, and that, going back to the Moors, that's not that was not the case. Go ahead. And that was, my, that was my point. And I know I've been talking to you. I'm going to get to you because I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't really finish <laughs> when I broke down capitalism and communism. But that's my point. What, what Ward just said is, is my basic point. Now I've got to go a little further because we've got another economy. His name is John Maynard Keynes, and he was a capitalist economist. Only difference with him is he kind of agreed with Marx. He didn't agree with, 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 with Adam Smith. He didn't agree with, with, with the idea of and pure capitalism, because we don't live in a pure capitalist society. we don't. In pure capitalism, those who didn't have, those who don't have skills and not, a, not able to operate as economical animals will essentially just die in pure capitalism. There is no programs like the Panthers Feed the Children program or the Sickle Cell program. They don't exist. There is no welfare for a Section 8. That don't exist. If you ain't got it, you just out of there in a pure capitalist society. And, and that has not been practiced, pure capitalism. And, and uh, John Maynard Keynes essentially said that uh, Marx is right. People don't just die off like Adam Smith said. They ain't going to die off. We're not going to have this glorious society of producers because the ones who couldn't produce just died out. When people can't produce, they get angry, as Ward just said. They get upset, and they start to rebel and revolt. Uh, George Jackson said in Blood in My Eye, he said, when the peasant revolts, when the, when the, uh, when the, and, I, and I'm paraphrasing because I can't remember it, uh, verbatim, when the dude in the street starts robbing, when the gangbanger shoots up neighborhoods, he says, when all that happens, that is him operating of his need and desire to be able to feel like a man, to feel free. So this, this is what's going to happen. So John Maynard King said that you have to take some of the concepts and principles from socialism and put it into your capitalist society in order to keep the capitalist system working. And so that's where you get programs like, like Social Security that takes care of older people who can no longer work. A welfare who takes care of single mothers who don't have the ability to work and take care of the kids at the same time. That's where you get these type of programs from. These are socialist programs, as as Karl Marx stated, from those who have to those who need to basically make sure that the peasant doesn't revoke and that the average street dude doesn't start robbing, which he does because those things does not take care of that. And I'm going to read a quote from John Maynard Keynes, and then I'm going to be quiet and let he come out swinging, his uh, butter knife. I'm letting him come swinging. But, um... <laughs> I'm being funny. I'm being I'm being funny. I don't I
0: am funny I
3: don't I don't want no I don't want no smoke. I know he one thing I do know. He got a broadsword. So I'm being funny. I know you ain't got a butter knife. I know you ain't I know you ain't trying to I know you ain't trying to yeah. show up, fight me with that sharpened bone dagger. I know that I know you ain't got that. But <laughs> John Wayne Keane said. The, and Listen to this, because it kind of goes back to what Ward just said about those solid weapons for quiet wars. John Maynard King said, the ideals of economists and political philosophers, both when they are right and when they are wrong, are more powerful than is commonly understood. Indeed, the world is ruled by little else. Practical men who believe themselves to be quite exempt from any intellectual influences are usually the slaves of some defunct economy and 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 one of the things you got to look at when you look at because we just did a political series on our youtube channel on the platform youtube channel one of the things that that has to be understood is that the basic disagreement in any political party is usually based off economic philosophy hey, go ahead buddy i'm gonna pass the mic
0: so to, to go back um 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 you know, Robert Green and, and, and other cats that that bore the 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 Behold the, the Pale Horse and, and all of these cats were written by some cats who had some very insightful understanding of the European mind. However, we're not dealing with the European mind. We're dealing with the African expression of the European mind. And I think that we have to uh, 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 give back some credence. Absolutely, people are selfish from birth. However, from thousands and thousands of years of cultural development, betterment, improvement, spiritual growth, all of those things, across the continent of Africa, we have to acknowledge that that selfishness by our own ways, by our own culture, by the way that we behave and act, I'm talking about outside of our dealings with the European, I'm talking about up to that point when we were ourselves, were our cultures were geared, because of our understanding, because of our knowing, to teach those members of the community to overcome, to move beyond by nature. In fact, the idea, you know, we talk about the nature of, of Europeans, and also no Psyche's gone into, uh, like you said, the, how Europeans came to be and their minds got shaped by the surroundings that they were in and da-da-da-da-da, and scarcity and all of that. That also plays a role in, in it, and being that we came out of a place of abundance as opposed to scarcity, after thousands of years of these experiences and living like this, it becomes a part of our DNA to the point that those African cats, the, the so-called them, you know, Black Panther Party, were doing things that were very African, without ever acknowledging that they were African, very anti-capitalist because none of what they did was in pursuit of a profit. All of it was in pursuit of addressing the needs of the people, which is the African mind. All of that comes back out. So as, as we've noted before, it's not a matter of teaching people to do. It's a matter of reminding them of what we have done. And it has happened. It happened then with them, with no outright, hey, we're African, this is our culture, da 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 with none of that in place. Imagine if all of what they were doing had been showing up with a true cultural program, a culture of ourselves as opposed to the, to the reactionary culture that black folks uh, uh, express and practice now with uh, reactive uh, imperialist culture that we, we practice. We're many imperialists. We're many capitalists. That's what we are. It existed then. It has existed since then in L.A., Crenshaw High School, back in the mid-'90s. There was this, uh, uh, student, this high school student uh, uh, garden program where they were teaching, you know, teaching inner-city kids how to garden and you know, plant their own vegetables and da 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 Well, the program became so successful in that school that the students, the student, whatever mindset they were in, it was the, the, the lizard brain or the mammalian brain, or wherever they were, they decided that they wanted to start using the food that was coming out of that garden to feed the homeless. It became so successful in what they were doing, and they were selling, making such an uh, abundance of food that they were able to feed the homeless, and they turned around and decided, hey, let's go sell some of this at the farmer's market and reinvest that money into the into the program, and that's what they did. They learned about uh, adding value to it, so they started using some of what they had grown, the earth and whatnot, to make salad dressing, which they turned around and started selling on Amazon and was very, very successful, so successful that they began offering scholarships. All of this is African. All of this is anti-capitalism. You don't take your profits and feed the homeless. You don't fucking do that in a capitalist system. So to do that simple thing without any Africa, without any knowledge of of Robert Greene, without any of that. These folks decided, hey, we're going to peel this out and give it back to the community, make a little money, put it back into it, feed some more people. There was a, In San Francisco, there was a strip club. The dancers, the, 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 the owner of it, uh, well, the dancers and the bouncers and everybody decided they wanted to unionize. And the owner decided he didn't want no parts of owning a strip club where the the, the strippers and the bouncers and the dancers were, were, were unionized. He didn't want no parts of it. So he put the owner up the, the, the business up for sale. So the dancers, the bouncers, and the uh, janitors, they, they got together and bought it and created a self-managed co-op. We, they, they had uh, a system in place where management was rotated to the members within that business so that, number one, the manager, uh, because the manager wasn't the same person all the time, number one, they didn't have the overwhelming responsibilities of a manager all the times, like six, every six months or so, they would vote, or or, or the, the the position would rotate, so that manager wouldn't have the the overwhelming responsibilities of management. At the same time, wouldn't have the the, the overindulgence of the pay that a management manager gets. So these, there were uh, peep show, uh, 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 you know, peep shows where you, you you sitting on one side. I've never been to one. I've just heard. You sit on one side, and and the, the chick or whoever is on the other side. Uh, they would have one peep show where there were like two or three dancers and another peep show where there was one dancer. Well, the one dancer is going to get a bigger, whatever her tips are given, she get all the tips. Whereas the one with there are three of them, whatever tips are given, they have to split. So those positions were rotated. They voted on this as a collective, as a group. So they would rotate all of these different positions. They made the decision. They voted on every decision. And it only stopped. It only, the, 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 Show. Excuse me, can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you now. Okay, um, the only reason that the, the strip club closed was because uh, the uh, the uh, the neighborhood, the government decided to gentrify and started, you know, driving up prices, and you know that that whole thing. But the co-op situation, where people, and again, that's the difference between European idea of socialism and what socialism actually is which is real socialism is more an idea of, of, of African communalism where the masses of the people, the people involved, those who buy the product and those who produce the product are involved in the decision-making. There are organizations, at least one in, 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 I want to say Catalan, in, in Spain where the masses of the, the, the workers own it. And every time there's a, a, a new uh, a product or a new contract that comes up, the people, the, the workers vote on whether or not it's not made by somebody sitting up in, in an office somewhere getting a bonus because he landed a deal. It's the people who actually have to put the work in, and 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 get, get to make the decision. They 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 vote on if you're the supervisor, and your review comes up. It's the workers that review you, and if you're not making the cut according to the workers, then you get voted out. So these are situations that are anti-capitalist that people can do right now. In fact, when I went to the Bahamas, there uh, I was exposed to this, this, this cat, uh, uh, I forget his name, Dave, something, Simply Dave, that was his name. He was our tour guide. We went to the Bahamas. And he took us around and he told us and introduced us to some of the folks that we may have heard about this. In fact, we may have heard about this, but communally, everybody would put in on a pot and it would be given to a, a trusted member of the community. And then when some, something came up in somebody's life, somebody had to leave their job because they were injured or there was, you know, this catastrophe or some big deal came up or whatever, that pot would go to help them. That's anti-capitalist. Black folks with, uh, and families, and I wish I had done this with my family, but sons and daughters, when they start earning money, mothers and fathers, every, everybody gives it to, to big mama or whoever it is, gives a certain amount of money, and that money is pulled and put together. When something comes up, that money is distributed to whoever needs it most. So these are things that, that, that are not foreign to us. We do these things. We just don't realize that we're doing them. We don't realize how empowering they are if we do them and pursue them because we have these obstacles that are put up that we, we, can, we can somehow get a black business, and that black business, profit-driven, is going to somehow address the needs of the people? It's just not going to happen. So, like I said, our participation in capitalism should be the bare necessity. Pay your bills. Beyond that, you got some extra money. Put that money in a pool. Start developing something so that you and and several other people. What is it? Uh, uh, uh. War uh, uh, likes to always ask about a, a show me your working model. Obu. None of them own the restaurant, the bookstore, museum. The school, they don't own none of that. The bank account, none of that. They don't own it. They all own it. It's a co-op. It's anti-capitalist. We have to keep the, the the capitalist rules in mind because they will switch and change and try to do this and that and that and that. That's just the game of war. But we cannot win the game of war playing the way they play because we're not good at it. They are the best. They are absolute the best and just the fact that they can change the rules whenever they want to. You know, if them cats, uh, big sugar bear, honey bear, whatever you call them, and, and the other cats are working on putting the distribution thing together, you know, I, I don't have uh, any information. That's the first I've heard of it, actually. But there is no way that if folks pool our resources on a much bigger level, I'm not talking about three cats, I'm that three cats with let's face it should might have might have had some money at the time, he didn't have Jay-Z money. The cat, uh what's his name? Prince something, something. He might have had money, but he didn't have LeBron money. He didn't have Oprah money. He didn't have that kind of money. You're talking about billionaires going put putting money together. Cosby supposedly was trying to buy some 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 uh, TV station or, or make some investment in those directions around the time he started getting busted. So yes, as individuals, we try to make this happen. As individuals, which is what capitalism is, individuals, it's not going to work. But when you have a collective, if you have five or six or seven or 10 billionaires and millionaires pulling their resources, that's going to be a game changer. That's a whole different conversation. That's something that they've never seen before, and I honestly don't think they're prepared for. But on a very... Level, level where we operate, because obviously none of us are billionaires, you know, but operating where we're at, having those co ops, the food co op that, that we were working on back in the day, the information co op that we were working on back in the day, those are the things that are going to dig us out. Because as long as we are dependent on one another, not the system, there's really not a lot that they can do about it. They can take out, you can kill the revolutionary, but you can't kill the revolution. And those co-ops and their mindset, which have to be affected first, those co-ops, those types of situations, solidarity co-ops, true democratic situations, cannot be broken down by a capitalist system. Because you move sugar in and out the way, you got other folks right there to step in and, and continue to continue the operation. So keep your job. Don't be broke. But be mindful of after you leave the job, you're not a capitalist and you can't invest in capitalism and expect to change capitalism. That, that that that's what we've been saying, the whole you can't participate in the system. You can't dance with the devil and expect the devil to change. It's just not gonna fucking happen. It's not. And there's no evidence that it would happen. Has happened or will happen. So yeah. Yeah. But so
4: see,
3: now, see, we're not, we're, not in, we're not in a lot of disagreement, but we're in some disagreement. Because, see, what I want is I want us to do more than keep our jobs. I want us to create the jobs. And hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me say this. You just said it. You said while wow, wow, J. Prince, Big Shoes, Irv got in there didn't have Jay-Z money, but if 10 dude, people on that level got together, then they could really make change. But the only way they can get the only way they got to that level because they played in this game. Now, if a conscious man learns how to, and I'm not saying now, now, see, understand this. What I'm what I'm talking about is I'm not talking about European version of capitalism, and I'm not talking about European version of socialism. But even you use examples where people have learned how to take skills that they had, introduce those skills to the market, make a profit from it. Take a portion of that property and, get, and put it back into the community, to the people, and keep some to keep their businesses going, to keep their lifestyle taken care of. That's what I'm talking about. And what I'm saying is that part of the problem is that those who call themselves revolutionaries, conscious, or uh, community activists sh- uh, uh, shy away from this. They shy away from making money, they shy away from starting businesses. Because I don't want to dance with the devil, I don't want to be considered a capitalist. So they'll, keep, they'll, they'll, stay on, they'll stay a slave labor, working check-to-check, instead of creating the, 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 the positions where they can actually have their own businesses and then start employing our own people. See, see, see I'm like you. I'm in 100% disagreement in the way that Europeans have practiced capitalism. But I'm what they call a realist. I'm more of a realist than an idealist. And I'm real. In reality, I understand the reality is what reality is. This is where we are at, and this is the system that we're dealing with. And you have to learn this system and how it operates in order to thrive in it. I don't want to just be here, hooked up to life support while I'm here. I want to thrive and then make changes when it's time to make changes, make moves when it's time to make moves. The whole purpose. Uh, George Jackson talked about it. He talked about it in the uh, in the Blood in My Eyes. George Jackson said that, uh, essentially that what would I do if I, if I was trying to really make some real true revolutionary change, he said, the first thing I would do is I would get hold to, I would get my hands on some money. He said, I'm not going to talk about the ways I would get it, but I would get it. Uh, I would put myself in a position to be able to have a continuing large sum of money continually coming in. Then I would create community centers in the neighborhood and then I would create, uh, 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 he said, quote-unquote, self-defense classes, where we would teach uh, our children the concept of offense as true defense under the guise of after-school programs. He said, I wouldn't tell people what we're doing. I wouldn't tell people that we're, teaching, we're training soldiers and warriors and things like this. But the fact of the matter is, he understood, recognized, and realized that you had to be able to control capital. We keep talking about capitalism, and the root of the word capitalism is capital. The word capital doesn't mean money. It doesn't mean coins and chains and paper money with dead white folks on. That ain't what the word means. The word capital literally means the most important thing, and it's dealing with resources. And controlling resources in your environment is the most important thing. And I truly believe that this is where we've been failing at because we have not been, been, been as serious about trying to control resources as we have been, been about protests. We're more serious about protesting. Hell no, we won't go. No justice, no peace, screaming all these sayings than we are by buckling down and understanding economic principles, concepts, and ideas, and actually start operating as economic animals and actually taking control of our neighborhood. See, Jews understood that. Jews understood it. Jews are usually the minority in any environment they're in, but they understood something. If you can learn how to control the economics and the media, then you could have power because media influences the, the way that people think, and economics is the lifeblood of any society. By controlling those two things, Jews protect themselves and put themselves in a powerful and a very, very powerful position. And that's what—that's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. I agree with you on many things. That—that that yes, we are by nature African. Yes, by nature. We developed ourselves from that lower state of brain thinking to a higher state of brain thinking before we got in contact with Europeans. But we, are, we have been in contact and been under the subjugation of Europeans for a few hundred years now. And we're not there. And it would be a foolish strategy to operate like we are there. We have to move back to that. And we have to start doing the things that get us back to that. And one exactly. of the first things that's
0: primary and necessary is controlling resources. Absolutely. But if we do that from an African-centered perspective, like the Panthers did, like other co- co-ops are doing, that puts us in a direction of controlling those resources. If it's profit-driven at all, period, if it's profit-driven, who controls money? They control money. So your profit of $1,000 may only be worth $100 because they change the value of the money. So we have to, for me, we have to get beyond that money concept and and really, like you said, get to where we're really looking at capital and the resources, changing that mindset. If I own a a, a building, you come and turn it into a quote-unquote community center. Put some chairs in there, put whatever in there to make it a community. Now it's a community center. Whether it was set out to be one or not is irrelevant. Now we control the resources. Now we're affecting our reality. You can't, and, and they can't control uh, 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 whether or not we use this, 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 this warehouse as a basketball court or we use it as a, a teaching session. I mean, ultimately it would be a fight, you know, all that. But I'm saying from a, a, a profit-driven perspective, as long as profit plays into the equation at all, they're in control because they determine what profit is because they control that hey, money.
3: Let me do this. Let me, for the listening audience, just, to, just to, like uh, Psych does, I want to also give two books as a point of reference that I think the listening audience ought to um, read and get benefit from. And then I'm going to go to a caller that wants to jump in. One of the books is written by Reginald Lewis. And it says, in, in the title of the book, is, Why Should White Guys Hop All the Fun? And in case y'all don't know, Reginald Lewis was a brother, a black billionaire. In the United States that did help fund A lot lot of the civil rights movement uh, Operations uh, Behind the scenes So I really think it's important That the listening audience is aware of of him And his book Again the name of the book is Why should white guys have all the fun Another book Poweronomics by Claude Anderson Dr. Claude Anderson I think that book kind of goes into What we're talking about heading And and at least having an overall uh, understanding of how we can build power. With that being said, let me go ahead and go to a caller. Uh, phone number in and it's 6050. Your mic is hot. Hello. 6050. Yes, sir, we can hear you.
4: Hello. Hello, can you hear me? We, yeah, we can hear you. Okay, so to your topic about capitalism. I just wanted to say that uh, the United States is not a pure capitalist society or country. Pure capitalism has really never been tried, actually. Um, It's kind of a mix between a a number of different uh, types of governments. The main part probably being capitalism, but not the whole thing. There's no such thing as Bailouts and true capitalism. True capitalism is true capitalism is total um, fairness, which has never been tried, where you make it or you don't. There's no government handouts. There's no bailouts. If you're a business, you fail, you just fail. The government's not supposed to bail you out. So true capitalism as has been taught in university has never been tried in the United States. They've always put their finger on the scale for certain corporations, for certain types of people, um, for white people primarily. That's not true capitalism. So I just wanted to make that clear um, off the top. Um, as far as chasing capitalism, socialism, Communism, these are very old concepts And I think we as black people need to get beyond it There's a lot of innovation going on And when, when, I say, when people say innovation They think technology, but that's incorrect You can innovate in anything And one of the areas that we need to innovate in Is governmental structures You know, even, as, even on the continent They shouldn't be looking at any of the existing ones they should be coming up with new governmental structures that fit their culture, their society, right? So all of this capitalism, this stuff is old. Even the concept of money, and I'm in technology, even the concept of money as you know it is going away. Why? Because people got tired of it not being fair, so they came up with cryptocurrency and Bitcoin, Right? And as of right now, <laughs> I'm very happy because I bought Bitcoin early on, and it's paying off like crazy. Right? Yeah. Ethereum too, and a few other altcoins. So what I'm saying is, let's not Damn. get stuck in the old, old capitalism, old socialism, old con. that stuff is old. We got to get beyond that stuff and come up with something new for ourselves. That's my thought. I want to get you guys' thoughts on that. Well, I like that. It makes sense. It makes all the
3: sense in the word to me. Well, what I was going to say on that note is in looking at it from that perspective, you have to be a visionary. You have to be in in recognition or kind of like yourself, which, which me myself, I'm into techno. I'm in technology as a profession too. You have to be, your eyes have to be open to the fact that innovation, like you said, is all about application but not a specific and the thing about that is so many of our people don't recognize that the power of something is in the application and how it is applied it's like when you deal with anything uh, quote-unquote uh classified technology or classified operation you know everybody knows that the united states possesses a nuclear weapon everybody knows that the united states is is constantly working on uh other levels of warfare uh, weapons and warfare but what makes it powerful is people don't know the application of the different things that kind of goes into why i was talking about what overstanding what weaponization is because it's no different than how we can talk about for instance uh gunpowder or black powder let me not call it gunpowder but black powder the chinese use for power techniques but the application of that became something that could be used uh, to, progel, uh, to, to, to spit out a projectile. And next thing you know, now you got this powerful weapon of warfare. So the applications itself. So our people need to be raised to a higher level of consciousness in terms of identifying strengths, identifying markers, identifying what is actually taking place in the world around them, and we not allow our... Our, our mind frame to be so boxed in that everything that we do and everything that we chase out there is 20 to 40 years behind the thought process of those that are in power. See, that goes back to what I talk about oftentimes when I say linear, linear thinking, critical thinking. This is why one of the first – the first subject matter we go over as Panthers is critical thinking. So many of our people, again, dealing with what's referred to as handicapped education – we are. We have been dumbed down through the, the, the way academics is taught, you know, to people, not just Africans or Black people here, but across the board. That so many of us fall outside of being able to recognize. Of course, people get out. You know, there's always a few that that be able to squeeze through the cracks, or that as we get older, there, uh, something you know snaps in us and we start recognizing this. But when we're dealing with addressing things from a collective perspective, we need more of us to be in tune and tap into the fact that applications and the power of applications and the power of being innovative, the power of being visionaries need to take uh, a a greater step of, of, um, of replication, should I say, because, Right now yeah. what we're dealing with is we, we keep dealing with a slower pace of replicating more people that is involved in this movement and more people that is has the conscious brain power to be nonlinear. So I think but that kind of goes into what E keeps hitting on in terms of the African consciousness. Go ahead, brother. I'll let you speak now.
4: Yeah, so I, I think one of the things, and I'm not, I'm not referring to you per se, but you kind of brought up something. I, one of the things that we have to understand is that you, you said visionary. That's a very, very, very small percentage of the population, of any population are visionaries, right? So mm-hmm. I, I think one of the things that I hear when I hear a lot of conversation going on, it's a lot of, um, you know, we have to do this and we have to be. No, it doesn't take a lot. They've done studies, the, 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 the percentage of any population or group that is needed to affect change or even start revolution is 3.5%. That's it. And then they, 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 the rest of the study goes that a certain percentage of people would then come on a little later. And But it's always a very small group of people that get things started. And I think we don't need everybody to be on board. We don't need everybody to be visionaries. We don't need that. We just need a very small group of dedicated, talented individuals to thinking about how do we do things, right? How do we do things? Get in meetings and say, okay, now how can we change this? How can we do this better, right? Anybody who wants to be involved or feels a need or a calling to be involved in that kind of conversation should be in that kind of conversation, and it doesn't need to be a lot of us. It's never going to be a lot of us, and it will never be all of us. It will only be a select few to start things off, to really get things going in the right direction, to start getting some results. When people see results, now you holding up an option. You can do it that way, or you can do it this way, and look at our results. Look how happy the people are. The families are growing. Divorce rates are less. Blah, blah, blah. We can do it that way, you market it and promote it and brand it the way you would do anything else and you put it out there for our people to see. But it's only going to be a small number of people, and that's a good thing. It's a good thing that you don't need the masses to get in and do everything, you know, to start things off because you will have quite a time trying to get that done for a lot of different reasons. So it just needs to be a small group dedicated people who want change, some of which are visionaries, to get things started and to move things along.
0: And and you've previously why, bro. We've been having discussion for the past 20 years, but that's <laughs> kind of along the lines of, of exactly what I'm saying. It, we invest in those small things, the co-ops, the feed-the-children program and all of that, and others see and last themselves to it the whole time uh, 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 was it uh, uh, observation and participation, we're learning that other than, as opposed to just blindly investing in the, the than. So, yeah, it, it takes just that small percent, that small number, to, to, to begin actually doing the work and presenting that example. Because at this point, we don't believe in anything but capitalism or, you know, the oligarch oligarchical system that, that is actually in place. We don't believe in anything but that. And that's the way things happen. That's the way you get things done. That's the way you feed your family. That's the way, because we have no examples, because no one is putting, well, there, there are people who are putting those examples out there and doing the co-op in different levels and different areas and whatnot. But it obviously, it's not going to get, like, media coverage and all of that. But, you know, that example has to be put into place and developed and grown so that others will, can observe. And then participate. So I yeah, I would agree with you 100%. Me too. And there will be we a, a There will be a time when, when when the conversation of money to me, when the conversation and I know we keep coming back to money, but as a part of it, the 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 the, 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 the idea of money and that being a way, even a means to manipulating the resources is is a moot point because if you look at the job structure and the way the jobs are going in, in, this, in this society, more and more jobs are gig-related, are part-time, uh, small businesses are, are going away, uh, and we're going to be in a situation where we're going to have to practice things like co ops. where we have to practice something outside. We can't control our resources via money anymore because we don't have the money. We have to rely more and more on one another trading with each other and that type of situation, so it just makes sense to me to invest in that shit, learn that shit, and begin applying that uh, uh, to, to to those with, with those around us. What are you gonna say?
3: I was I was gonna say there was another caller, so if you
0: if you're around, if you just uh go ahead and, and call back into the line, then I go ahead and, uh, and open your mic up. We had another caller, but they dropped out.
3: Um, but yeah. So I don't. Disagree at all with what the brother's saying, and neither do I disagree with a small percentage. Uh, but you know, obviously, I'm just going to preach on increasing that collective of coming together in terms of that percentage, as well as a global as a global or larger awareness. So I feel like if, as we elevate, period, we're obviously there. Are, there are those that are already highly elevated, but as we elevate, period, toward the conditions that we're dealing with. Then I'm pushing the narrative from that standpoint. Is that we need to not continue to basically sip on the poison to the present to the, to the position that we position where we're willing to deal with the unknown and face the fear of the unknown. That's why I refer back to um, to me one of the, a very good book written by Fifty Cent talking about the 50th law because he addresses fear. It is fear that I believe holds so many of us back from our kinetic abilities. You know, we, we, we're afraid of trying. We're afraid of doing anything new. We're afraid of failure to the point to where it paralyzes us to where we don't even try. And I think that same thing comes up in, 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 in place as it applies across the spectrum, like the brother's saying, regardless of just technology. I think fear holds such a tight grip on us that we fall for so much falsification. We fall for so much uh, of oppression. We, we limit ourselves simply because we fear what we don't know. Even though that, 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 that fear, potential dark alley that we're going into could be much greater than where we're, where we're at now in the oppositions of society now. It's just the fact that we fear the unknown, and that fear itself stifles development, stifles growth causes people to just step back and accept and have, and have that level of acceptance. And I think that goes, feeds right into a domesticated society, a domesticated mindset. So I believe as we learn to look in the mirror and recognize that that fear is what we're dealing with, own up to it, then our consciousness across the board can be raised to a certain degree to where the things we're talking about can come into play. Now that caller just came back in, so let me go ahead and open the mic real quick um, to eight one two five. You're hot.
1: Yeah, hey, I'm here because I saw the headline about is capitalism good or bad, or or something about uh, something close to that. Um, I happen to believe in capitalism. To me, it's a tremendously effective way of channeling the human um, tendency for destruction, self-destruction, and to channel it into stopping that destruction into commerce so that people can get what they want without trying to rob other people by exchanging goods, which first started the barter system, which then evolved into money. So to me, capitalism prevents, uh, prevents wars. Some people will blame capitalism for wars, but it prevents wars. Now, the capitalism that we're experiencing today in America is not especially good. It's crony capitalism, because in order for capitalism to be especially optimized, you have to have an honest judicial system so that in case when entrepreneurs or people engaged in business um, try to cheat their customers or try to do something which is damaging to the environment... You need a means of making sure that they don't do something which is larcenous or destructive. But capitalism by itself, the philosophy, uh, to me, is a tremendous idea. Without it, people would, there would be nothing but warlords roaming the countryside, just grabbing whatever they can get until they get into truces with other warlords. And then once they do that, they would eventually end up being capitalists anyway. So what do you guys think?
0: Well, I would say Um, that historically you you are 100% absolutely wrong. Um, This form of capitalism, whether we call it capitalism, this is what we're given as capitalism. They call it capitalism. I'm a rogue for the time with it being capitalism. You don't have systems of control or manipulation is what it actually is. In order to keep people from hurting one another, you educate and teach them to a higher self from the beginning, which is the opposite of what the system does. It teaches people to indulge in their very basic wants and desires so that others can capitalize on that. And indeed, as I said earlier at the beginning of the show, capitalism is based on private ownership and and exploitation. You own something, you own a piece of land, and you let other people work the land, actually do the work, and then and you charge them an exorbitant amount of money in order to do that. You give them a little piece of the pie. That's capitalism. That's something that is antithetical to the human, to, to, to the human nature, to our nature. And as Brother Wolf uh, pointed out earlier, capitalism is self-destructive. Uh, it, it doesn't keep people from being self-destructive. It takes the self-destructive nature of any people and spreads it out into a global situation. Because one of the key characteristics of capitalism is it, it always has to create a new area of going. It has to constantly create a desire for a new car, a new iPhone, a new house, a new this or a new that. It's going to eat itself up and burn itself out. That is the natural, if you study Marx at all, he talks about that being the natural progression of capitalism. It's going to eat up because we have a finite number of people on this earth. So we have a finite number of people that can be exploited and used, basically used to produce it and then exploited to produce it and then exploited to turn around and buy the very same thing. So you have this upper echelon that sits on the top and it's looking for other ways to get around that and get away from that because they understand that eventually this little nugget is going to burn itself out through capitalism because, again, capitalism is about exploiting the people resources the land everything that is the foundation of capitalism is exploitation for my own self come up and that's it so there is no there is no moral high ground that any capitalist can ever take capitalism is not a preventer of wars capitalism capitalizes on wars i.e. Lockheed Raytheon Honeywell and hundreds and several other organizations the reason we're in this country is in Afghanistan, Iraq, threatening to go to Iran, trying to get into Venezuela, is for the money, it's for the capitalism, it's for the power. It does not prevent war. That is absolutely erroneous. It absolutely can. Matter of fact, Eisenhower, in his last speech when he was going out, warned about this, the, 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 the military industrial complex and creating exactly this type of situation where people sit back and are making money hand over fist. They're not going to turn over anything because of some uh, – they, they don't give a damn about the morality of keeping people from doing something, you know, uh, larceny or stealing from something. You don't keep people from committing crimes by, by uh, putting them in jail. You don't keep people from committing crimes by having a supervisor watch over them every hour. You get people to not commit crimes by uh, empowering, them, empowering them to provide for themselves and their family, and, to, and educating them to embrace their higher selves.
1: So no, I can't go along with what you said. Absolutely, one hundred percent, no. Okay. So, so what would you suggest? Because if I'm an entrepreneur and I open up a business and I have six people working for me, I don't consider that's exploitation. I consider them getting what they have, uh, what they're earned. They've come, they've applied for a job for a certain salary. I give them the salary. They take the exactly. salary home and they use it to feed the family.
0: The fact the fact that you and, give them a certain salary uh, means that you are not negotiating yeah. a salary. In my opinion, it, just, just break it down on an on on, on, on hourly wage type of situation. Your, uh, a person who goes into a job should not have an hourly wage given to them based on market value because that's what they'll say. Oh, well, we'll pay uh, uh, 50 cents more than what they pay in, in other places. That's bullshit because other places are paying a, a "quote unquote" slave wage, so you're paying fifty cents more than a slave wage. Bump that! If you're going to give somebody a wage, that wage mm-hmm. should be based on that wage. If nothing else, should be based on what my rent is, what does it take to feed my family, what does it take to put insurance on my car, what oh. does it take for me to live as a human being. And if you're not willing to negotiate so. those terms, then that's exploitation because you're in the position of power. Because you can turn around and say, okay, you can't work here then and get somebody else up in here to work. Let me see if I, I don't, got you I don't, right. Let me see if I got
4: don't, you right. I don't agree with you, E, because from that standpoint,
3: you, you would never open a business. You would, never, it's not that simple. you would never open a business. It's not that simple because there's a certain amount of, uh, of, of overhead and
4: everything needs to hide. What he's saying, what
1: what I understand you saying is is this: is that if you're an entrepreneur and you have a business, you have to pay me what I demand because I have a family to feed, and it's going to cost me twenty-four or thirty thousand dollars to live comfortably and feed my family. You owe me thirty thousand dollars a year.
0: I'm saying if you're not going to be exploitive, yes. If I'm in a position where I have you or no choices on how to feed my family, but you're in a position where you can say, okay, I don't want you. I'll take this next person or this next person or this next person. You're in a position of power because you own the business or the land or whatever it is, and I'm in a position of powerlessness because I don't own any of that. I'm coming to you with my hat in my hand and saying, please, mister, can you help me feed my family? That puts you in a position where you can screw me over or do me right. That's not – it, it it's funny that in this, in this society – let me just say this. In this society that counts being the greatest democracy on earth, that the only place that they cannot say that is in the workplace. In the workplace, you are subjected to the whims and the will of whoever is in the position of power. And that's not the, po- the masses of the people. That's the bourgeoisie. Those are the people that own it. And I'm not knocking small business. Big up the small business. Do what you got to do to survive, blah, 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 blah. But let's call it apple or apple. Let's call it what it fucking is. And anytime somebody is in a position of power and they allow somebody to come in and do something for a small pittance, don't negotiate. Because you negotiate well, let me with let your me suppliers. ask you this. You negotiate with your suppliers. Let you don't negotiate this. with those who actually add if, value. So let, to me to to right, okay. let me
1: ask you this. Let me ask you this. I don't have any skills other than being a dishwasher. But I want to make $100,000 so I can live in a nice house, nice neighborhood, um, have two kids, and live live very well. But I don't have any other skills other than being a dishwasher. So you own a restaurant. You, are you obligated to pay me the $100,000 because I want it?
0: A person should be obligated to negotiate the way they would negotiate with their suppliers. They should have to negotiate with their employees because without the employees turning that that, that that clump of clay into something that people want, all you have is a clump of clay. It is no more valuable, that clump of clay, than the people who turn I that clump of clay I have negotiated my salary, PPCS. and there are,
1: people who, there are people who do negotiate the salaries. I've negotiated my salary But based upon the results that I've accomplished salary, as a I marketer, wages, as a salesman. Wages.
0: We're not talking All about the upper echelon. We're same not talking way. about the upper class. I'm talking about the poor folk who nobody ever talks about who sit on the bottom, and people will say, oh, there are hundreds of jobs out there. You're right. There are a lot of jobs. McDonald's is hiring. Wendy's is hiring. All of them are hiring. You can't live on that shit, but they're hiring. So what do they do? But
1: you believe if it's the responsibility of they the entrepreneur. If,
0: if, they if, I, company, if There's I not want enough room for everybody to be an entrepreneur. Everybody can't own their own business. Not everybody wants yeah. to own their own business. I got actually for years. actually. got forty five seconds. If I work for twenty five years as a dishwasher and, enough, and and I'm still making just a little more than minimum wage, somebody else works for twenty five years in the business industry and is making two or three even million dollars a year, why do they deserve to live like that and I don't? When I've worked just as hard and even harder at what it is I'm doing? Why do they deserve to get those fruits and what they're
1: doing I doesn't like really an add any to that.
0: value to the system?
1: Go ahead, because you have to bring, yeah, you have to bring your talents to a business. It seems to me as though and you don't want people to even have businesses for some reason.
0: No, I want people. I want people. I want people to be able to get paid a living wage, so that they don't have to fight and kill in order to survive.
1: That's the Well, process. a living wage is dependent. Okay, living wages are dependent upon more than just negotiations between an entrepreneur and his work. A living wage, it depends a living upon,
0: wage is basically what I need to do. It depends upon live. economics. And living wage is what I need with, with, with that, people, I do
3: need to go ahead and uh, get ready to close out the show. What we're dealing with in closing the show is basically we as a people need to look at this from an overall perspective. And we want to allocate more time, so we're going to have another show that goes into this even further. So with that being said, all power to the people.